the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rushed out of the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Thursday the 26th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. Their talented designers can bring to life any concept you'd like to create. So check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBaths.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Icewinter, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. What up? Uh, not much. <laughs> a uh, exciting last night with basketball. West Virginia beats a Big Twelve opponent on the road for the first time in like what seven hundred days? I think is what the number was. <laughs> is that for real? Yeah, I, I oh. think it was something like that. Georgetown got their first win against a Big East opponent, whether home or away, since twenty twenty one last night as well. And of course, we had an exciting doubleheader last night between Shepherd and Shippensburg, which we'll get into that here in a little bit. An exciting night, an exciting bit of action, and we got girls' action coming to you tonight as well. Packed week with basketball over here on our family of stations. It's been an exciting week. A little, little uh, tiresome, I'll say. I think I'm starting to see a little bit of the uh, tired faces between the three of us right now. <laughs> but, you know, it's been a fun week. Been a fun week covering everything this week. Well, let's get into those Shepherd games. Of course, they were some big PSAC East matchups. I guess more specifically for the boys, but also for the girls because they're still looking for that first win of the season. But they ran into a buzzsaw in Shippensburg last night. Final score, 92-52. to The Red Raiders uh, beat the Shepherd Rams. It's back-to-back games that the women's team gives up 90-plus points. Uh, the big uh, reason that you would think that Shippensburg scores those 92 points would be their standout, uh, Ariel Jones. But she gets held to only, what, 18 points, which she's coming off a 51-point game. Um, and the reason, and Luke, if you would have seen this, in person, you would have, I think, cracked up laughing. The way, the way that uh, they were, the way that they were uh, face guarding Ariel Jones was incredible. Literally, the girls that were guarding her didn't even know when possession had changed behind them. Didn't know if a point was scored behind them because they were just staring right either in her eyes or right at her chest. And when anywhere she went, they went. But nonetheless, uh, 20 points for Lauren Pettis down low. The Shepard kind of got exposed with their lack of height. Then Aaron Gibbons with a few threes gets to 13. But the Rams, uh, top scorer, Sydney Bowles with 11 and Kara Miner with 10. Parker, thoughts on the 92-52 to loss for the Rams against the Red Raiders? Well, you mentioned that that's the second straight game they've given up 90-plus points. And that's something you can't do if you want to win games in the PSAC. It's been a lot of growing pains for this team so far still searching for that first win but you saw bright spots in what was a tough loss for this team Shippensburg's one of the best teams in the PSAC and women's basketball they're 16 and 3 11 and 12 in conference play balls look like she got back to form at some points during this game she had some good scoring runs there was a good run where Carolina I think had eight straight points for the Rams finally got her shots clicking on that end so that's good Chipley, I'm still looking to try and find her to really get it back together the way she had it she only scores five Two of seven from the field wasn't able to get the shots off she wanted. But really, it's just trying to find the rhythm for this team right now. Who's going to settle in and be that person like, okay, 
we look at the guys' team and say, okay, DMC is that number one scorer for this team. And then you go to probably Philip Jordan and John Preston. You have Aiden Hewley down low and Carson Poffenberger as a stretch four who can really bring out the defense. What's really the role for each of these players on this team? I think we're still trying to figure that out. And I think really it's been positionless basketball right now for them. As again, this is a young core. You don't have the only player that's graduating out of this group is Kara Minor. So you've got most of this team coming back next year. And to really find out who is going to be a cornerstone for your program coming into the future. We mentioned Jordan Carr, who had some really good minutes, who were come off the bench in this game. Somebody who could be someone like that. But it, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered for this team as they're trying to piece together and get a nice little second half run of their season together. But overall, there were some positives to pick out of the negative of the 40-point loss. You know, it's odd. You look at some of the the statistics in this game. Shepard, it's got to be the first time this season, wasn't able to look it up uh, before the broadcast. We're within one offensive rebound in Shippensburg. They had 12 offensive rebounds to 13, which is the biggest problem of the season. They also stay below their average of turnovers on the year, which is the second biggest problem this season. Uh, their bench was just par and par, 21 points off the bench for Shepard, 26 points off the bench for Shippensburg. You look at all those numbers and you would say that you'd think this game would be close, uh, but unfortunately it wasn't the case. They weren't able to capitalize off of turnovers, just eight points to Shippensburg's 20. Second chance points go to the way of Shippensburg, 24 points to uh, nine, and it seemed like all of those second chance points came from Lauren Pettis, who had four offensive rebounds in the game. But I think the biggest thing to me I mean, you hit 19 shots the entire game, and Shippensburg hits 33. You take 20 fewer shots than Shippensburg. That's incorrect. You mm. take fewer shots than Shippensburg does in this game uh, is something else that really added up. This is the part of the season where we said the one thing that Shepard does incredibly well is their effort. They have You have no issues with the effort that's put out by the girls every single game. These last two games, you're starting to question it, and you can't blame them because they're just being hit in the head with a hammer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I hope that they continue to keep the fight. The resolve is good, I will say. You know, spending some time around the team, they all get along. Um, you know, there's a good kind of energy about them. You know, they, they don't have the body language off the court like a team that hasn't won a game, so I hope that continues. But this is the part of the season. This, I, I really think, is a stretch of games, not to get too dramatic, that might define the Kaufman era, not as to whether or not they can lose and win games, but as to whether or not they can keep the integrity and the spirit and the effort of this team going, because if they completely, you know, check out for the rest of the season, things could get out of hand. But if they can continue to keep playing at a high effort level, then you can put the season behind you and move on to the next. Yeah, this team certainly doesn't give up at any point in the game. I mean, they play, they're playing tough defense until that final buzzer uh, sounded, even when they were down, you know, as much as they ended up being. Um, but the final score, 92-52, to 52, the Red Raiders take down the Shepherd women's Rams team. And then uh, right after that, we had a huge PSEC East game between the men, uh, Red Raiders, of course, and the Rams. And that final score, 68-66. The Rams fall in back-to-back -back heartbreakers. This one, not at the final buzzer, but the Rams had a chance to uh, potentially either tie it up or win it right at the end. And a, uh, a tip pass goes right uh, to Andrew Recchia for Shippensburg, and that uh, ended the game. But this was a intense physical, a tough bat. It was like a street ball game at times out there. Uh, and it was exactly what you would, would expect from a uh, divisional uh, rival, a conference rival, and in such a tough piece at conference this year. With everybody so close to one another, uh, the tensions were definitely high. 
Yeah, and I think Shepard had a case to maybe getting screwed out of this game. I think there was a jump ball late that needs to be reevaluated and a potential 10-second violation, which is a shame, you know, that you aren't able to get calls. It just seems like calls never go their way down the stretch of games. Uh, and But I will say, Roshan Johnson hit that three was one of the more spectacular things I've ever seen at any level of college basketball. I want to say the sequence was it was a one-point game. DMC goes down the floor, gets his shot blocked, mm-hmm. uh, and then he steps in and takes a 26-footer in transition, up one with 45 seconds left, completely not against the run of play, but a really ill-advised not shot. Not when he needed to shoot in. that. Yeah, <laughs> and that goes in. That makes it a four-point game. Now, they get that crazy take. It was Preston uh, that hit the, the shot that kept them in the game, and then you know it, it certainly came down to the wire. But, I mean, that three and then the combination of those two things is a backbreaker. Uh, for Shepard, I love their game plan. I mm-hmm. love their their uh, their starting five and the way that he puts their offense together, Coach Namalik, and how it looks when they're firing in all cylinders and they're hitting shots. And this was a game where everybody contributed at a high level, even down to Marcel, who played the fewest minutes and only had two points. The only thing I'll say is this is now the third time, if not more that they've been completely exposed by the press. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, they got the break it and they got that shot for Preston, which was great. He said he called it a full court play. But there's two things that are abundantly clear about Shepard, about their inability to break the press. Number one, DMC throws some incredibly reckless passes uh, trying to break it. And number two, John Preston, who, like he said in his postgame, looks incredibly confident as a rebounder, is unbelievable. He refuses to bring the ball at the floor. He refuses to stick his face in the fan and, and break the press. So Philip Jordan's doing it, DMC's doing it, and throwing some reckless passes. And then Gerard Robinson, I would argue that Robinson and Jordan are your two best press breakers, and mm-hmm. Robinson's usually mm-hmm. on the bench by the time this yeah. happens. So it's just a bit frustrating that you've had a handful of games cost by way of the press. One time, okay. Two times, it is what it is. But the third time, you've got to have an answer because these are college basketball players. Uh, it's that's what was the most frustrating to me that that kind of ended up being the decisive uh, blow in this rivalry game was they they just couldn't handle the press. Well, Parker, I want to get your thoughts on it here in a second, but I also want to play um, Namalik's thoughts after the game. I mean, we caught him just seconds after he shook hands with Shippensburg coach, and it was uh, he had a couple of interesting things to say, and of course, Shepherd basketball heard right here on WPM and WCST. You know, I think um, you know in our profession we get judged by wins and losses. And, um, you know, what people don't see is just the growth of the individuals in our program. You know, I mean, John Preston, um, you know, it took him a while to get to this point just in terms. And it's crazy. I talk to my team all the time about, you know, when you take your leadership and your commitment to another level, it's crazy how the, the results that you get. And, you know, John did that. Um, You know, last year he just, you know, he had some issues off the court. He just, you know, he's going through a bad shooting spell. And I told him, like, dude, like, the reason the basketball guards aren't going to reward you. And he completely rededicated himself, you know. And I think the moment that, you know, I noticed it right from the start of this season, you know, I knew that we were going to be all right. I mean, because, like, that's what, you know, people, you know, I mean, yeah, you watch D.C. make some ridiculous shots, you know, and things like that. But, like, John's the heart of our team. You know, for him to be the only senior leading our team, um, you know, I mean, Carlos Carter hit some great shots, but I thought John made him earn every single one. Um, you know, when I 
looked at the schedule and you look at like three road games in five days, you know, and I, it's crazy, you know, that you get the schedule and then you and then you start living it like three in five days, you know, and I look in and like no one else in the league did that. And then it just got progressively harder each game, you know. And, I mean, I can't be more proud of um, the group that we have to come so close, man, so close. Um, you know, and I think it's definitely shown now, I mean, we can prove that we can win anywhere, you know. So we have to just keep doing what we're doing. Uh, keep plugging away, you know, because we have some weaknesses. You know, like if we have a if PJ or DC has a blow up turnover game that hurts us, you know, we the press man has been our Achilles heel, man. You know, it's been our Achilles heel. We're catching it too close to the baseline, um, you know. But I know that you know, you know, and the, just the the confidence of DC, PJ, and John. I mean, that's you know what it's all about. Like, so I know if we just keep doing what we're doing, we're gonna regroup. Uh, you know, try to finish out February, and you know, I think like you know. It's not too often where I really think you have a team, you know, that we can make a run. And I think this team definitely has all the pieces to do that. And so because we're going to keep getting better and, and you know, the ball's going to bounce our way because we're going to uh, – the basketball gods, are gonna, they're going to give us something here eventually. Well, Coach, we talked to you after the Westchester game, and that was an equally as gut-wrenching loss. Yeah. And you were a little concerned about maybe the bounce back in yeah, the team, but yeah. the bounce back seemed to be Yeah, I was really concerned. You know, it's just one of those deals like, you know, we're going to come out flat. Um, but, you know – I think I told you guys after the game, you know, but it's like I said that, you know, it's like it's completely natural for that to happen. And then, like, but I said to the team, I said after the game, I knew they were going to respond. And they did, man. They just did. And, like, it's been a grueling stretch. But I'm looking forward to the day off tomorrow. I feel like I haven't slept for a week. Um, you know, and just got to keep plugging away, man. Got to keep plugging away. We're, we're so close. You know, the thing is we got Westchester and Ship. You know, we got them at our place. You know, and I tell you, like, this group, like, I just talked about those three guys. Like, they're going to be chomping at the bit to get them in our house. And, Coach, we looked at the way coming up here. The top six teams right now in the PSAC East yeah. are all separated by yeah. two to three games right yeah. now. All six teams in that top six in action tonight. Yeah. Each win is very important. And yeah, you man. got guys all the way around who are contributing in different ways. Yeah. For example, yeah. Philip Jordan, he yeah. doesn't have the best shooting night, but he grabs seven rebounds. Yeah. It's all about buying in for you guys. So yeah. what's what the main thing you've been preaching to your guys in this month with this hard stretch coming up? You know, like this is like a weird stretch. So we had I mean, it's three road games. Five days. We've actually had five games in 11 days and you know you don't have time in practice you know there's nothing that we it's mainly like all right can we recover just get our bodies moving like kill them in practice so i mean this 11 day stretch has really been just executing you know and so i think after this we had a quick meeting yesterday like the things that you know we talked about like we're trying to take it to the next level you know what we need to do to do that you know and the guys came up with some really good you know good feedback and um so we're going to do that you know things like we just got to stay true to what we're doing you know i mean we're so close I just, you know, I have a feeling it's going to pay off for us, you know, and so we just have to keep doing that. Um, you know, obviously, I think the press, um, you know, D.C. is not very good against the press. You know, I mean, I think it's obvious now, but you know, that's something that we'll definitely have to work on for sure. But even two man, like just a late game there, just I finally found a full court play at work and come down. John hit that three, you know, made things interesting. So um, but I just, you know, I think, uh, you know. You know, my record's not always great at Shepard, but I just really enjoy coaching these guys. I enjoy coaching this group a lot, you know, and so I look forward to, you know, getting back to work with them on Friday. Well, I think we agree with you, Coach. I think this team definitely has a run into them yep. or a run in them, and I appreciate you taking some time. And yep. uh, with the off day, go get you some rest, Coach. Right, thank thank you. you. And that was Coach Justin Namelik, Shepard Benz head coach Justin Namelik, after their tough loss on the road at Shippensburg, 68-66. to Leading scorer, Dan McClain-Corley with 22, John Preston with 15, Aiden Hewley 
with 15. But some interesting words there from Coach Namelik. Um, to me, it just sounds like a, a tired coach. I mean, we talked about off uh, while we were listening to that how many miles they've covered in these tough, tough games. And that's really the the kind of double down on it is like, yeah, this travel's been you know a struggle. But then you're playing some of the top teams in your conference back to back to back. And, you know, I think they've just kind of finally got worn down. But I thought it was impressive the way they bounced back. And uh, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on Coach Namelik's word, or uh, words there at the end. I do want to say this, too, really quickly, a quick count. Shepard is 1-4 this year on games decided by four points mm. on le- or less. You know, these are games Shippensburg, Westchester, Virginia Union, Lock Haven. Uh, the only one that they did win was Clarion. Uh, that they're going to want to add. Yeah, the Virginia Union game is a four-point loss. These are games that they're going to want to have back. And then a five-point loss to Slippery Rock, and then there's a five-point win in there as well. Uh, you can tell he's frustrated. You can tell he's tired. I mean, you can tell that there are things that he knows how to make this. There are ways he knows how to make this team great, and then there are deficiencies that this team has that he's just struggling uh, to fill. Breaking the press is one of them. Depth is another thing. You've traveled 1,000 miles in five days, and you play seven guys. You know, And that, that's tough. I, I do have this question, though. Uh, I've taken up the majority of the time. I wasn't even there. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about Michael Cooper at the beginning of the season. And I, this is just a little bit of speculation. Uh, the two things I think Shepard are missing right now more than anything are a number one lockdown defender. And it's not because their guys can't play defense because they're freaking exhausted. You know, DMC's a good defender, but if he's trying to take 20 shots a game, he can't defend to a high level. And I think they're missing another ball handler. Mm-hmm. I, I think that... Uh, Philip Jordan's a very good ball handler. DMC's a little questionable. Robinson's adequate. They need another ball handler. I know from what we've heard from the coaching staff that Michael Cooper was an athletic freak that could guard anybody. I also believe he was an okay ball handler. Yeah. And he's out for the foreseeable future. You wonder how many of these games, because all of these games happen after he got hurt, the five-point, four-point games that I'm talking about. If he would have been the difference as a defender and a ball handler and, and shifting, uh, you know, no use crying over smelled milk. You recruited him. He's a great player. He got hurt. Hopefully you get him next year. But would he be the difference maker in some of these close games? Because of those four losses, you turn two of those into wins. You know, you're 12 and seven right now and you're probably ranked. And where's Jordan Gibson at? Too, Parker. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. size. I mean, he's six five. He'll be able. He can do something out there. I mean, we saw how well he played last year when uh, they needed him when DMC was hurt. Yeah, they. He was a guy who was thrown in there and got some more time whenever DMC got out early in last year's season. And I'm not too sure. Maybe I don't know if he fell out of favor with the staff or if it's just a situation he's regressed. I think he was like the only dressed guy that didn't play last night, other than Brandon Dolman. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure what the situation is there. I don't know if just he's not shooting well, he's not performing well in practice, or what the what the thing is going on with Jordan Gibson. But I do remember from last season there were times that you could say maybe he was trying to force up a shot that maybe wasn't needed to be put up. So I don't know if that made its way through or something like that. But it's a guy, he did have significant minutes last year, so I'm really wondering why he isn't more a part of that rotation coming into crunch time like that, especially if you need somebody out there to hit hit a three for you, play good defense. Jordan Gibson's good at that. But right now I think it's going to be a really defining stretch for this team. Again, we mentioned before they are what one and four, one and five, and in one's two-score games. It's, it's a time they really got to lock in and, get these back they got they got Kutztown back in the butcher center this Saturday it's a good chance to get a win against a team that's not doing well Kutztown's 5 and 13 on the season to get that win back and now you got two tall tasks coming up next week Wednesday February 1st at Millersville if you find out a way to sweep the Marauders that is a humongous Mm -hmm. because Millersville beat Westchester last night 
that's a humongous get. And the other game we were watching too was East Strasburg and let me see here. It was East Strasburg Lockhaven. They ended up not playing that game last night due to the, to the weather conditions. But again, that's another one. They go at Lockhaven that that Saturday, February the fourth, if they can get that team back. But again, we talked at like the top six teams in the PSAC East right now are all like between three games, four games. It's right there with each other. And right now, I mean, if Shepherd's a team in this PSAC tournament, they can make a run. They're hanging with these top teams. This is a team with a lot of work with them, and it's just finding out those little nicks and cranks and trying to figure out to smooth the team out. If you get that, hey, this is a team that could win a couple games and get themselves in the semifinals of the PSAC tournament. It's really possible right now. This is a special roster. I know Rams fans are frustrated with the results right now. Two back-to-back losses against tough teams that you could say – both these should have been wins, and I think they both should have been wins, absolutely. But right now, it's just trying to refocus. They got a team that should be a quality win against Kutztown this Saturday to right the ship, and then you get into next week. It's a tough stretch against two teams that you're trying to get one back from Lockhaven, and a perform a sweep against Millers will be very impressive on the resume. Well, let us know your thoughts. You can always join the conversation. The conversation. Text us, 304-263-4321. We'll be back with more Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Nice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can always tweet us at EP News Network. Where you can text or call us at 304-263-4321. For the break, we were chatting Shepherd men's and women's basketball. The women fall 92-52 to to Shepherdsburg, and the men fall right at the buzzer, 68-66. to And if you missed any of that, you can listen back to it a little bit later on, and we'll have men's and women's highlights up on uh, EP News Network on Twitter uh, a little bit later on today. But let's get into high school basketball action that we have on the airways tonight. It'll be Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone on the call. Yeah, I'm excited to see this one. This is uh, we haven't had a ton of an opportunity to do girls basketball this year, uh, just because of weather and some other things. But it's Washington against Hedgesville tonight. Washington's a game below 500. Their best player, Mary Rivera, is a sophomore. Uh, but the story we're getting around this program right now uh, is they're playing a little bit uh, under. Oh, you say undermanned, underwomaned. A little thin. Uh, they they have eight players. So it's going to be, it's, yeah, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, what the rotations look like, uh, for their opponents in Hedgesville. Uh, this is one of their better stretch of games. I think they picked up their first one of the season against union. They're now one and 12 on the year. And we talk about their similarities, frankly, uh, between what coach, uh, Kaufman is doing and coach Faircloth is doing in Hedgesville. You know, it's installing effort, installing a, a good defensive motor. You know, the team may not be the most talented right now, but they've got some young pieces. He wants to build a good foundation uh, and get them back to competitive play. So it's our first time seeing both of them. For Hedgesville, we get a peek into the future and see what Coach Faircloth is doing, what he looks like schematically, and what Hedgesville can be in a couple of years. Uh, and for Washington, it's we know Spring Mills is probably going to go to Charleston. They're probably going to walk unimpeded through the EPAC sectional and regional play who's that second team going to be is it going to be washington is it going to be jefferson is it going to be martinsburg is it going to be musselman uh you know so it's going to be interesting to see where they check in because they've got some good young players too that are also going to be fun to watch for years to come so while it's two teams with a losing record i would still implore our audience to tune in uh because it's going to be really fun basketball uh and you're not going to want to miss it 
Yeah, I think so, too. Again, two teams right now trying to jock for position right now. And outside of Spring Mills, I think it's a wide-open impact for girls basketball right now. Washington, we think, has been that number two team so far. They're 7-8 and eight on the season, a chance to get back to 500 for the Patriots. But we know Coach Faircloth, he loves building programs. He takes his time, and with that initiative that he brings in, he's a great coach. He's going to try and do the same thing he did for that football program over at Hedgesville with that with this girls' basketball program. It'll be a fun one at EPAC basketball tonight, and you always can expect a show when anything involves EPAC and basketball here on the Panhandle News Network. And it'll be Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone on the call a little bit later on tonight, so tune in right here, like they were saying, for EPAC girls' basketball on WPM and WCST. And we'll step aside and come back, and uh, we'll get into a little WVU basketball. They were in action last night. Georgetown had a big game, all kinds of basketball, not just happening in and around the PSAC or the EPAC or the Panhandle, but all over the place. So that'll be after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. I'm Jordan Icewater, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And before we get into WVU basketball and things that are like, uh, let's transition quickly back to college football because, well, a lot of guys getting offers around the uh, Panhandle area, a lot of standout high school guys, and Shepard has been adding some to their ranks as well. Yeah, they have. There's a bunch of offers that were given out yesterday to Panhandle players, but they also pick up a commit uh, from an offensive lineman. You know, Shepard's going to have to rebuild, looking for the next Joey Fisher. You know, also Adam Stilley is leaving the program. They pick up Josh Crummett, uh, who looks like a center. I believe he's a center. Uh, so just depth to the ranks is another commit that they had. I think you had said that that was their fifth high school commit, and they also have seven transfers uh, up until this point, and they have a handful of players still in the portal that could come back. Uh, but they offer a, a variety of different players outside of the state, but to just focus on the players that were in the state, they offer Jameer Hunter, uh, the wide receiver from Martinsburg, a down-the-field, take-the-top-off-the-defense kind of guy. He's like the Deshaun Jackson of the panhandle. Uh, he's been offered by Fairmont State, a couple other programs in the Mountain East Conference. He gets the offer from Shepard. They also offer Isaiah Fritz, which I think this is an interesting little piece of business by Shepard. Not saying he's not good enough. I'm just interested to see how he would fit into their offensive scheme. Uh, we had talked yesterday he would potentially go into the slot. He obviously had one of the top plays in the state this year. I believe it was Metro News' top play of the year, mm -hmm. that one-handed grab over the middle of the field. Uh, and he's also capable on the defensive end if they want to go that route. Uh, but he visits yesterday with a couple of teammates. So it's Hunter and Fritz that get offered. And it seems as though Evan Toole, who, of course, is the all-time leading rusher at Jefferson, and Oren Humphrey, who was their Mike linebacker and leading tackler, uh, both visited Neither of them were given uh, offers that I know of yet. I know Evan Toole, or rather, it was Humphrey that made a post about it, uh, that they might have been offered some walk-on spots. Uh, but for the time being, Hunter and Fritz, Shepard is going after to replenish the wide receiver room. I think Fritz is an interesting piece of business as a route runner. I think Jameer Hunter could be, when it's all said and done, the best wide receiver in his class because he think he's only a sophomore. He's got one more year at least. Uh, and then you've got some good depth pieces. Evan Toole in that backfield. We know uh, what Blake Hartman has already done uh, for Shepard as just a freshman as a panhandle product. And Oren Humphrey just screams, you know, he might have to take a year to size up, but then becomes a very good special teamer and could potentially cycle into that linebacking core uh, by his you know, late sophomore and junior and senior years. And that's the thing, too, you think about that wide receiver room for Shepard. It's pretty upperclassman heavy. Now, Alfonso Foray is going to come back as a senior. E.J. Morgan, a senior as well. Rodney Dorsey will be a senior. 
And then some of the other guys, too, you see some redshirt guys. Kenny Edlin is one of the few underclassmen in that room. He'll be a sophomore. Ryan Beach will be a redshirt junior. And then you got after that, it gets pretty thin overall. Kim Dorner's another guy. If he gets everything correct in, in his way, he'll be a sophomore coming in. Daryl Harper's another guy. He'll be a sophomore. So you got guys, it's a big mix. And you can expect, I mean, with the transfer portal today, you see receivers going left and right. It's one of the most popular positions for the transfer portal. So, I mean, granted, it's it's a good stock up. You could expect some of these guys will probably redshirt this first year to just kind of give them that extra year and have that time for them. But it's good pickups. Again, Jameer Hunter, I think, could be a really good piece to this Rams team. We talked a while back. We really don't think there's this guy who really can take the top off the defense like Jameer Hunter can. The closest guy, maybe you've seen Daryl Harper maybe do it once or twice. Rodney Dorsey, I think he's more of a separator than a guy who takes the top off the defense. But it's it's good offers. I like these. And the way to recruit the panhandle, it's good for Coach McCook and that staff to mine out of the panhandle and take these guys who you see doing great things in the high school ranks and taking them to Shepard and let them do it at the college level. All right, so let's get back to college basketball now. What about the Mountaineers? They were in a big game last night. Get a big win. Yeah, they snapped that road streak of losing conference games. They beat Texas Tech 76-61. to I really like Mark Adams, but Mark Adams has completely lost the plot with this Texas <laughs> Tech team. I mean, you know, they're supposed to be this elite defensive team, and they just aren't. And I think a lot of it, uh, ironically, comes on the offensive side of the floor. I mean, they don't have prolonged offensive possessions long enough for their defense to rest up. When the Mountaineers, and this is something I said all season long, have guards that can hit shots, they will win games. Win contested or hit contested shots, create their own shots. You know, coming off the bench, Joe Toussaint, who remember last game when Bob Huggins said, It's my fault that Joe didn't play more. I just forgot to play him. Uh, he has 28 minutes in this game and goes for 22 points. He Seth didn't Wilson, forget him then. Yeah, he didn't exa- exactly. Which, you know, you talk about the assistant coaches that have been let go from the program and then all of a sudden the rotations get screwed up is a conversation for another day. Uh, Seth Wilson goes for 15. He looks really good. Uh, There's an endurance problem with him because people said he was sucking in air by the end of this. Uh, And then you get 16 points in your starting lineup by Eric Stevenson. But then it wouldn't be a Huggins game without some very thinly veiled comments at the end. He talked about there being starters that were getting minutes that did not deserve to get minutes, uh, which shows that changes are coming. The question, though, is who is he talking about? Because Stevens plays, or Stevenson plays 29 minutes in this game, does not play well, uh, but plays hard. You know, there's much more you can ask of him. Kedrian Johnson, he's called the best on-ball defender in the Big 12. Trey Mitchell has been the only source of offense for them through the worst part of their schedule. Emmett Matthews, everybody loves that he's come back. Uh, and Jimmy Bell had another good performance, I think, in this game, controlling the glass with six rebounds. So I have no idea who he's talking about in that bunch. If it's Mitchell and Matthews, because it seems like those two he's trying to highlight specifically. Uh, and we also need to give a quick shout out to James Oconquo. Uh The England native apparently was just uh, unbelievable, his motor in this game. Blocked a couple of shots, which I sent that block shot in the Twitter group. You guys should take a peek at it because it was pretty spectacular. Five points for him, ten rebounds. Uh, again, instant offense. And uh, again, somebody that came in from an effort standpoint and, and took over. So you just beat a really bad Texas Tech team. Um, but it doesn't get easier because you've got a ranked Auburn team, albeit who just lost coming up on Saturday, and a ranked TCU team next week at Fort Worth. Uh, so these next two games could be jumping off points for them to flip the script on their season and get back to winning ways, or they could drop two games in a row and go back to 12-10. and 10. Now, Ken Palm loves them. Ken Palm just dropped them up to the number 21 team in the country. Uh, so hopefully that's a sign of things to come. 
Yeah, and if you look into this weekend, this Saturday, it's going to be a, a big outing. The, part of the reason why West Virginia is playing Auburn, it's on their schedule, is that they orchestrated this Big 12 SEC challenge. So a lot of these teams are going to be playing each other. Some of the other big matchups, you got Iowa State taking on a sneaky good Missouri team. They're 15-5 and five on the season. Another matchup, too, I'm looking at, TCU-Mississippi State. You've got Texas and Tennessee as well. That's 10 versus 4 in the nationally ranked poll. And then you've got Kansas and Kentucky, which honestly, if Kansas has been slipping here as of late, and I think Kentucky's one of the last four, te- last four teams into the tournament right now. If Kentucky can pull off the upset, upset, and it's at Rupp Arena, if the Wildcats can win this one, this puts Kansas in a kind of a situation right here being 16-5. So, again, it's wide open. The Mountaineers have a chance to really climb back into this race. They're one of the first four teams out from the last bracketology from Joe Lenardi. But it's you get the win here against a ranked Auburn team that's on its heels. They just lost their last game, as I mentioned before. And then you go to TCU if you find a way to sweep the Horned Frogs. Now, now we're talking a team that can make some noise and get into the NCAA tournament. It all just comes down to which West Virginia team shows up. Are you going to get the team that just beat Texas Tech solidly? Or are you going to get the team that lost tight ones against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. That's yet to be seen, but that action will be this Saturday. Uh, and before we get to the break, also want to talk about the NFLPA Bowl. So we're kind of bouncing around uh, things here. But, of course, Joey Fisher and Ronnie Brown, both Shepard uh, standouts, greats, if you will, both in action there at the NFLPA Bowl. And, uh, of course, it's Jeff Fisher and Eddie George, are the two uh, head coaches, team captains, whatever you want to call it, for uh, the two teams playing in the NFLPA Bowl when we – uh, we're looking, or when we found that out, we all, I think, said that we really wanted to, or really hoped that Joe, or that Ronnie Brown was going to be with Eddie George. Well, they're both with Eddie George on uh, the 2023 national team for the NFL PA Bowl out in LA at the Rose Bolts on Saturday. I still haven't been able to find what time officially uh, they play on Saturday, but it'll be on the NFL Network if you want to watch it. Uh, but I think. It seems like Joey Fisher and Ronnie Brown are making a pretty significant impact. You see Ronnie Brown on the social media, and then uh, if you go on the YouTube and such, you can watch practice footage from the NFLPA Bowl, and Joey Fisher is dominating dudes. Yeah, that's the thing. There was also a, a media outlet that uh, they called uh, Ronnie Brown the Division II Christian McCaffrey. Love that. I thought was that's pretty interesting. Combo. You're right. They used him on the, uh, the, the graphic there for the PA Bowl. I think the one in terms of buzz, from a buzz standpoint, Joey Fisher's been stealing the spotlight. Uh, NFL Draft Bible was tweeting out some some of his blocks in practice. I saw another draft reporter saying this was uh, Josh B. Draft on Twitter. He's a draft scout uh, and writes for some things online. Says Oklahoma Baptist wide receiver uh, Keelan Harris and Shepard offensive lineman Joey Fisher are doing really well. I'm hearing and are excited to hear that. Um, have had both in the draft for a while, which is a pretty hmm, crazy wow. thing to say that this draft expert had Joey Fisher getting drafted, let alone uh, where he's at right now. But they're turning heads. You know, we had conversations with people around the Shepherd program that NFL teams had come to practice for Tyson and had stayed for Joey Fisher and Ronnie Brown, guys that just kind of, you know, uh, jumped off the page to them. And some of the things we were, were talking to officials around the team regarding Joey Fisher – uh, in terms of his flexibility and his strength and his versatility was astounding. Um, NFL scouts uh, in a way that they didn't think a Division II player could. So that puts him in a really good spot. Ronnie Brown, I think, is in a really good spot because of his just individual talent 
to play professionally anywhere, you know, to play in the XFL, to play in Europe, to play in the CFL. Uh, but Joey Fisher is climbing closer and closer and closer to potentially even getting drafted, and you love to see it. I think so, too. I think really what Joey's strength is, is his versatility to play different spots on the offensive line. We saw him, of course, line up at right tackle for Shepard. But it's a guy, again, you can line up on the left side. You can put him at either guard spot. And if you really wanted to, you could put him at center. I think he's going to fit best at a guard in the NFL. And I'm sure he's being tested out of that spot, too, at the PA Bowl. It's exciting to see in Ronnie as well. He's creating some buzz, creating some noise. He's a personality. And it's it's good to see both these guys represented in the national stage in Pasadena where the PA Bowl is going to be played at this Saturday. Excited to see what these guys are going to do, and I'll definitely be checking them out. And uh, just looking at through Twitter here real quick before we go to the break, this, uh, what, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but uh, Damier Minka that the Rams just got to commit from, looks like a defensive back, looks like he could be a stud. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. it looks like the Rams are reloading, but it's funny. We go, uh, you know, on the road to some of these schools for the, in the PSAC for basketball. And of course, you know, Shepard football has been beating up on them for years now. And everybody will look at you and be like, yeah, it's finally time we can get a shot. We can take a shot at you next year. You know, there for a while, it seemed like that was going to be the case. But the Rams are reloading and uh, could be another successful. What is this? Team 94 Four. for Coach McCook. So in the uh, Shepard program. But we'll step aside one final time. Be back uh, to wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Icewarner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And let's get to Parker's picks. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. Well, we went 2-4-3 yesterday. Had both bonus picks. Of course, WVU getting the big win over Texas Tech, as we called last night. And the other one, which I'm trying to find right now, actually. I'm trying to find my other bonus pick. But the, yesterday's lock of the day. That was the lock of the day yesterday. Was it was Chattanooga. Day, yeah, Chattanooga was just short in their win against or in their loss against Wofford. And it was a tough one to see. Also, Houston, uh, UCF was the other one. Houston ended up beating UCF by 11. So, sadly, Chattanooga and the Fighting Mocs were not able to knock off Wofford yesterday. I was hoping. I'm going to have to find stats on that game, see how well Jake Stevens did. But I was was pulling hard for Chattanooga last night, and that was the joke between the three of us. I was watching that as we were getting ready for the Shepard game. I was thinking if Chattanooga ends up costing my uh, parlay slate for today, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that the next morning but thankfully wake forest lost by two in my other one i had them plus three and a half i had them against pitt and they only up losing by two but that game like i think pitt was up like almost 20 at one point and then wake forest came back but anyway going into today's picks jordan it's a rivalry game between us two today it's celtics Knicks. oh that's right that's i was wondering why you were saying i was gonna be mad by your picks that <laughs> so, makes sense now so we were uh i was jaw jacking jordan a little bit between that last break saying he's not gonna like parker's picks today and he's gonna uh <laughs> he's gonna want to fight me after the show so my lock of the day is you, a little, you were what just a little jaw jacking yeah you were just what, a little jaw jacking nothing wrong with a little jaw jacking on a thursday morning jaw jacking amongst the boys oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah well, Celtics beat the Knicks. I'll just rip the band-aid off right now. Celtics are going to win against the Knicks. That's today's lock of the day. Where's it at? 
I believe it's... If it's in the Garden, Celtics win. If the Celtics are coming to the Garden, it's a win. It it's is. A, the Knicks will be up by 20 in the fourth quarter. Then it'll be a two-point game with two minutes left, and then the Celtics end up winning. It's That's in TD, ex- by the way. It's in Boston. Oh, it changes things. Yeah. I still think the Celtics win, though. They're the best team in the NBA right now. Although they've had a couple bad losses between the Magic and the Heat, but I think they get it back. Jalen Bronson, I think he's going under on points today. I, he has not had a very good stretch of games. I don't know what's going on with him. And plus, he's got to go against Marcus Smart, who is a reigning defensive player of the year. So I'm going to say Brunson is the under, and I'm going to say Tatum gets the over today. It's set at 30 and a half. Man, you are just fully anti-Knicks on this pick. I'm sorry, right? man. It's a rivalry game. I'm, I <laughs> think calling Jalen get the under? He hasn't played good the past few games, man. Yeah, no. He, he just he just hasn't scored, and I think it's going to continue. It's just Marcus Smart. He's one of the best defensive print. He's arguably the best perimeter defender in the NBA. And he's he's giving me shades of Tony Allen when he was on Boston there for a few years. But Tatum over on points at thirty and a half. Jalen Brunson, I think the over under set at twenty three and a half for tonight. So I think he's going to be under on that one. I can see him getting twenty. I don't think he's going to get that over though. Celtics win lock of the day. Jalen Brunson under on points. Jason Tatum over on points. That's today's Parker's picks. All right. Well, I mean, I'm not as furious as I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to be raging. The Knicks lose by 30. Um, who knows? Who knows at this point? <laughs> Mitchell Robinson being out really just throws everything out of whack. Well, who's, who's getting the rebounds now? <sighs> I mean, Miles Julius. Yeah, Julius Randle. Yeah, Julius Randle. He's been, I mean, he's having an all-star season right now, which is great. Um, Obi. But see, Obi Toppin is like, I love Obi Toppin, but I hate the the big man in basketball now that, uh, and you see this in high school even more, which really frustrates me, but you got these guys that are so big and they could dominate down low, but all they want to do is shoot a three pointer. Yeah. All they want to do. And now Obi hit like he had three games where he was like over 60% from three. And now he literally, I think tweeted a few weeks ago that he thinks he's a three point shooter. Oh no. And it's like, come on, man. That's not your game. Like your Obi Toppin's is- a really good driver to the basket. Yeah. He, I mean, he was in the dunk contest. What? A couple years yeah. ago. The Knicks are sixth in the NBA in rebounding. Wow. R.J. Barrett averages over five a game. Emmanuel quickly averages mm-hmm. four rebounds a game. That's he's wild. just one of those dudes that's just running everywhere. Yeah, he just never stops running. All over the place. Quickly. It's going to be a shame when they try to trade him to get a, a third star, <laughs> and then they're not going to win. No disrespect. Come on, man. When they trade R.J. Come Barrett on, and Emmanuel guys. quickly and two first-round picks. Don't speak on, that guys. evil. Come on. Enough. Enough. You no, listen, keep I mean, me you up. guys can take as many shots at the Wizards that you want. I mean, that's a popular. Well, I'm franchise. surprised you haven't just kind of like sneakily linked up with the Celtics. Because of Missoula? Yeah. I yeah. hate the Celtics too much for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're not just going to kind of slide up next yeah, to them? I hate Marcus Smart. I hate Boston. Is is that go back to his Oklahoma State? No, I, love, I will say this. That Oklahoma State team that had him, uh, it had the greatest dunker in the history of college basketball, Markel Brown. And it had Phil Forte. Seriously, look at Markel Brown's dunk. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to look at that it after victory, the show. I'll show you the one for the Mountaineer game. It'll change your life. Oh, my god! And it had <laughs> Phil Forte. I love that Oklahoma State team. And then, I don't know, just something about Marcus Smart just upsets me. And then you had, I mean, I don't know if you've how long you've been a Celtics fan. but that, it's Like Pierce Garnett. When's the last, the when's 16, last time they won a uh, world uh, championship? That's probably when he was in the Knicks. The 16-17 Eastern Conference semifinals. Obviously, you remember Kelly Oubre yeah. getting into it with Kelly. I hated Kelly Olenek. I That's hated fair. Marcus Morris, who's the worst of the Morris brothers. He's better, but he's just a jerk. Uh, I, I couldn't stand Al Horford. I couldn't stand Isaiah Thomas. I just, man, and that I hated that team. That, Sounds like you got a vendetta. If, if there are things that I can't say on the air that had they gone differently, the Wizards would have won that series, beaten LeBron, 
and probably gotten demolished by the Warriors in the in the uh, NBA Finals. But now, now with that that whole series that same year, that's when I turned the corner when I said, okay, LeBron is the greatest basketball player of all time because what what he did. There was one game he had against the Celtics in that Eastern Conference Finals. He was just hitting shot after shot, just contested three after contested three, and I said, okay. He's the well, greatest player of all time. You're right. Well, then, then that's the thing. And John Wall talked about this on the last podcast. And there have been Cavalier players that have quietly said this. They didn't want to play Washington. They wanted to play Boston. And they beat Ooh, Boston. Wow. Uh, uh, Washington. I mean, and that's the Washington team. And after that, that's when the Wizards completely tanked. I mean, that team was uh, Wall starting, a young Bradley Beal coming into himself, Otto Porter, Marcus Moore, or Markeith Morris. Marcin Gortat was the best screener in NBA history that year, which is a weird thing to say, but it's, it's so true. funny to me how big of a Wizards fan you are. Boyan Bogdanovich, <laughs> who they traded a first round pick for, Kelly Oubre. Uh, yeah, that, that, and then that was the beginning of the end, unfortunately, for that era. But it was a fun series. Wall hit that shot in game six, man. Oh, my goodness. He stood up on the scorer's table. <laughs> what could have been? What could have been? Mm. Oh, also, I did want to mention really quickly, shout out uh, in the Duquesne game. Uh, the Uber Eats driver that uh, <laughs> oh, came, yeah, came down onto the court, walked across the floor, and delivered the food to the Duquesne uh, video board coordinator. So Dedicated we've, to the craft. We've been to, the three of us separately and together, been to a lot of games. We've you know, sat courtside at a lot of games, doing, you know, calling games. Never once have I thought about ordering food to the arena. And it never extending that would I have thought that the food would have been able to been delivered to the court <laughs> how'd they even let this guy in he's just walking in he's literally got looks like a zombie the McDonald's bag, bag out in front of him and the Coca-Cola and in his other floor. hand <laughs> there's a whole wow play is on in front of it like directly he hit shoulders he with the guy shooting two the three feet away from the guy in the corner and the referee just looks over at him like what are you doing but I just I'm glad we got that on the air because that was one of the My strangest gosh. things I've ever seen too funny uh, Basketball's well, a fun sport. Well, fellas, got about a minute. Final thoughts? High school basketball. Girls basketball tonight at 7 o'clock. Tune in. Yeah, it'll be a fun one. Check us out tonight. High school basketball. And, of course, watch the Celtics. Know the Celtics are going to beat the Knicks tonight. That's I love the lack of for one I, show. I love Come the on. lack of confidence in that Listen, final statement from you. The Celtics. It gives me all the, the, Celtics, all the confidence I need. Free. Listen, the Celtics will beat the Knicks tonight. It's happening. It doesn't count now. Yes. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> it's already out there in the world. The lack of confidence. But if you missed any of the show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Don't forget, you can always join the conversation. Texas 304-263-4321. Yeah, we'll talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.